Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor Jamie Miller. Okay, how's everybody doing? It's good to see that you're in the room and just thankful for... uh, Just everybody that's here this morning. Um, We do have World Mandate coming up and just like it's right around the corner. And so I've been talking with the speakers and just hearing some of the things they're thinking about bringing. And it's exciting. I mean, it really is uh, just an exciting place that we're in and uh, looking forward to that. And it's it's invitation window right now. These last little this last few days here. It's going to fill up. It's filling up, and so I want to encourage you to, if you need to get signed up, do that, or invite somebody, do that as well. It's going to be a great, great time for you where you can come, man. Uh, we're really praying into it, fasting, seeking the Lord, pressing in in prayer. Uh, we're in the third part of a series this morning, and a uh, uh, little microphone usage there. Uh, third part of a series on following Jesus together. And this is ordering our lives on mission. So what we've been talking about the first few weeks, ordering our private world, ordering our lives together. And we've been touching on some words that the Lord has given us for the year. Unity of the Spirit. And been talking there and really talking about the, some of that same stuff this morning. Union, communion, and partnership together. Union, communion, and, and uh, participation together in the purposes of God. That's, that's what unity of the Spirit's all about. That's what the triune, God of, uh, heart, the triune God of love, what his heart is all about for us. And then some specific words for us in here at Antioch Fort Worth is to listen, to listen, to surrender, and to keep the first love priority of Jesus first to reorient where we need to reorient, to repent where we need to repent, to realign where we need to realign. We will spend the rest of our lives realigning to Jesus. You don't have it figured out, so it takes a lot of pressure off right there. It's not a one-time thing you did back in there somewhere, or then even a second-time thing you did where you got baptized and filled up in some new way. It's an every, it's an ongoing thing. We need Jesus, and we need to continually align to him. And we want more of him. We want to be filled up with him. That's lots of good amen place. I'm going to say some things that are going to be challenging, and it'll be harder to amen there because you'll be thinking, but I, I think on those, you, you, we want more of Jesus. <laughs> You're newer to the church. I will encourage that from time to time. Go ahead and open your Bibles to John chapter 20. We'll be there in just a second. This is the, the greatest commission because it's the co-mission. I'm just, uh, it's Jesus inviting us into his mission. And uh, so in the last few weeks, we've been talking about emptying the jar. And uh, just as a picture, I'm going to touch on it again today, but emptying the jar so that we can get the big rocks in the jar. Both pictures, both jars reflect the same stuff. Got the same stuff, but if you don't get the big rocks in the jar up there at the top, your priorities in first, then they end up just getting stuffed on the top and maybe not fitting into your schedule on a week-to-week basis at all. So that's the big rocks thing. What needs to go in our lives and what needs to grow in our lives? And we've been talking about that on a personal level. And last week we talked about that Jesus is forming a new family. That's what Jesus is doing. It's a new family 
in Christ, in him, in his body. And that's why we say brother and sister. We, we call each other brothers and sisters. Isn't that interesting? Have you ever wondered, like, is that just an old Baptist thing or something? No, it's actually right from the heart of Jesus to say brother and to say sister because we're a new family in the Lord together, right? So brothers and sisters together. It looks like Acts 2, and it looks like the unity expressed in the New Testament. And it's more than we can see right now, but God wants us being... Uh, an expression of his beautiful creativity, like that leaf by niggle story last week. Like it's more than we could ever express, and yet he wants us involved in painting this masterpiece to reveal to the world what his body's like, what his life is like, what his love is like, and to see it come into fullness. And today we're moving forward, and it's all interconnected. There's these weeks they all overlay each other. So think about this like a you're in the third hour of a sermon. It's one sermon. <laughs> that doesn't bless everybody. So uh, I don't want to think about it like that. I want to think about it like a 30-minute sermon. But uh, so they all overlap. It's all interconnected, you know. And so the uh, a picture that I'll show from time to time, I call this the Antioch intersection. And I kind of got it from the Moravians. That's kind of my framework of thinking about when you overlay Christ in the church and the mission of God, something special happens in that space right there. The Moravians did that and uh, back in the 1700s. And that one church is known in Hernhut is known for changing the world. Just that's what happens, and that's what we want to see happen. Christ, the church, and the mission, and live in that overlap space together. And it's a fruitful place for us to live. But we've got some challenges, right? <clears throat> One of those challenges is a raging battle for our attention. Man, you know, and as soon as I wrote that down in my notes, whenever I was working on this, I wrote that down, and then the battle started. <laughs> I had no more written that down on the computer screen than the battle started, and I was like, I started thinking about all these things I needed to do, and I cleaned up and tidied around my study, and, and I just was doing all this stuff, and oh, I need to do that, and I need to do that. Why was I in there? And then I'm, anybody ever do stuff like this? And it was just like, Wow. And, you know, it's, it really is amazing. And I know there's medical realities to attention deficit disorder, but what I'm talking about here is more like the human condition. Like we are attention challenged in politically correct language. Attention challenged, big time. And economic, uh, e economists are saying that we've gone from a production-based economy to an attention-based economy. Like it's out there, just, just search attention-based economy and you'll find it. And the reason is like we used to make stuff and I know we still do make some stuff, but it's moved and it's shifted more to what is your attention on and that's where advertisers are investing zillions of dollars. What is your, what's got your eyes? What's got your attention? And there's all these statistics about how we're just, you know, on the screens more and more and more and more. And it's a part of our life and a reality. But what I want us to just get more aware of is what's got our attention. You know, what's, where's our focus going? Because we want our gaze to be on Jesus and living out of that place of knowing him. God is calling us to order life 
in intentionally keeping our eyes on Jesus, being aware of where our attention is, living life together in community and on mission and on purpose together for his name and for his glory. So here's what it looks like in John. There's one of these commissions at the end of each of the gospels and at the beginning of Acts, and then it's kind of worked out in the different letters of the New Testament. But here it is at the end of John. John Jesus has come to the disciples there for, in a closed room for fear of the Jews. And he appears to them and says, peace be with you. And then again, he says in verse 21, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If any of you forgives, forgive, if, if you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So it's, uh, <clears throat> uh, it's really amazing, this particular commission, for, just for me, because it's so Trinitarian. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It is a triune commission. They all are, and in different ways you see the clarity of that. Baptize them into the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's baptize them into the triune reality of God. But this one is like, as the Father sent me, I want you to join me on the same mission that the Father sent me on in the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I, I just love that. I, one of my uh, mentor authors is a guy named Ross Hastings, and he calls this the greatest co-mission. Not just the greatest great commission, because, because it's joining Jesus, the Father's mission, the Holy Spirit's mission. And he has this interesting phrase here that I just want to go ahead and bring clarity to at the end, which says, if you forgive anyone's sins, they're forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Just so everybody knows, the point isn't that you would be empowered to go judge whether or not somebody's sins should be forgiven or not. He doesn't want us to be the blockage point for forgiveness being released to the earth. I mean, hear the truth of it. Jesus came to die, not to condemn the world, but to save the world. Jesus came and, and he said, all judgment's been given to me. But then he stands on the, on the cross and says, Father, forgive them. Paul just preached it. It's, it's the reality that we all need to understand. He forgives you. He's come to forgive you. And it's not conditioned on whether or not you receive it or not. Now, that's hard to hear because I, I, had, I said that one time, I remember years ago, and a guy came running up and said, no, God will only forgive me if I receive him. And so the, here's the deal. We want to repent. We want to turn our lives. We want to live for God. We want to go for that. But you are not conditioning God by what you do to condition whether he's going to love you or not. Now, this is the gospel. That's the radical part. Jesus comes into our humanity and unites himself to us and dies on a cross for us and is raised uh, for us and ascended to the right hand of the Father for us. It's a union life thing that he does that we can't do and make happen. You know, it, it's, I just want to hit that and all I'm doing is hitting the forgiveness point, but it's just like, we're Jesus is saying, go, share this life, share this kingdom. Don't be the ones who are thinking I, they deserve forgiveness or they don't deserve forgiveness. The only reason we are forgiven is because of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ while we were still enemies. 
in our minds, he came and did this. It's good news. Um, but we live in a milieu, in a place, and, and we think it's just so, Lord, help us open our eyes. The darkened, so here we go. Let's get on into this. Jesus, the main thing is sending us together on, a, on the Father, Son, Holy Spirit mission into the world. And it's like from God's heart, how did I say it? From God's heart, with God's people, and into God's world. Those are the three things I'm going to be touching on this morning. So there's, Jesus is sending us on a journey. It's a mission from God's heart. Can everybody see that? It's from the heart of God. As the Father sent me, I'm just going to keep saying this phrase over and over again. As the Father sent me, I'm sending you. So here we go. Out of the incredible, overflowing, eternal love of God, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. So how do we get in? How do we understand that so that we can be sent as Jesus was sent? It's, it's mind-blowing. So when we say Jesus Christ, and here I am, this, I'm going to be explicit right now, because sometimes you don't know if I'm preaching the Trinity or not. That's what I'm about to do right, right now. I'm being very explicit. When we say Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we are saying Jesus is the Son of God. That's a revelation that nobody had before he came. And you can read the scriptures all day long, and they missed God in the flesh when, they were, when he was standing right in front of them. You're missing the fact that this is about me. These scriptures are about me. He, he's the son of God. That means to say he is the eternal son of the eternal father. And so to say Christ then, Jesus Christ, is to say anointed one in the Holy Spirit. So when we say Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, which is the revelation from the father, that, and that's how he's going to build his church. So I keep saying it week after week after week after week. I'm going to preach my heart out to you guys you got to love Jesus. He's worth it. He is the revelation of God incarnate, the Father's Son, and their shared love and communion in the Holy Spirit. So the triune love of God, the, the, the relational God of love is the way we uh, say this around here a lot of times. Kim's like, Jamie, when you say Trinitarian, people go, oh, I don't know. But when you say relational and help people to see, it's a, there's an on-ramp into the triune love of God because of relationships. God's always been joyfully relational. Think about that. Before creation ever happened, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were there sharing a communion that is beautiful and wonderful and altogether peaceful and happy. Praise God. And so he created us. This is the gospel that starts with the overflowing love of God. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. So uh, from before the beginning of creation, we were chosen to experience the love of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so creation happens and then Adam and Eve, the choice in the garden. And again, I just, the fallen mind, the sinful mind, the brokenness of our humanity is that when we eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, something changed in us. Now, God didn't change. 
And really want to, everybody here, God doesn't change, but something changed in Adam and Eve to where they wanted to go and run and hide in the bushes, right? They changed. And we've changed. We, in our brokenness, we just, our anxiety and the shame and the guilt and all the stuff we feel in our broken souls. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All that stuff. And out of that, then we start believing lies, partnering with the enemy, literally, I'm not lovable. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not all these different things that we start by faith believing lies and partnering with the enemy. And then in that blindness and brokenness, we take our wounded soul and then we say, God, you're like this. And God, you must be like this. And God, you're somebody I need to hide from. Y'all see what I'm saying? And it's into that mess that God creates a plan to save Adam and through Abraham to save Israel and through this whole story unfolding to save humanity and to to change the, the trajectory of broken humanity so that he would say, no, no, I'm not gonna let this happen. And so Jesus, the lamb who was slain before the creation of the world, the son chosen to bring us into the family and into adoption, Jesus says, yes, I'm gonna do it. I'm going, and, and he steps into our darkness, into our anxiety, into our pain. And I, if you could just hear how much good news this really is, because if you've ever been in a dark place or wondered if you could ever find your way out, or when you've been down to the bottom of your trash can, and you realize that Jesus, because of his incarnation, stepped in and joined himself, forged a way into our humanity through the incarnation, and the incarnation doesn't get preached enough, and that's why I'm excited about it today. It's so good that in my brokenness and darkness and my pain that Jesus is right there with me, and he is reaching out when I can't into the Father's heart and believing in his love for me to bring it into that hardest place, into the hardest, most wounded relationship, pain, addiction, darkness, brokenness. That's how good Jesus is. He's so good into that place of, and it's not even just, doesn't have to be the bottom of the trash can. It can just be the middle of the trash can. <laughs> because it's not just a one-time thing. It's not just it happened and I got saved back. I think part of the deal is we've got such a, a dichotomy. If we don't understand how totally lost we are and how much the incarnation does, the cross does, the resurrection does, how much the ascension does, like we're in union with God. We're in union with Jesus Christ. And, and I, have to, I have to keep going there again and again and again in my mind because I know that I was saved back then, but then I blow it along the way and I feel somehow like I'm kind of left back to my own resources again. But the same faith that saved me in the first place, which is the faithfulness of Jesus first and foremost, and my little bit of, Lord, I believe and he rescues me. He's coming to me. He's, he's coming to you right now. And it's, it's good news. And uh, uh, just, just I, I want us to see it. It's, so, it's a beautiful, beautiful vision that Jesus comes into the stuff. And in the wrong things, 
that we've all done, sin, where we've partnered with the, the enemy and believed a lie about God, about ourselves, about one another. Um, it's just really good. Um, that Jesus, here we go, that Jesus is of the same being as God. And through the incarnation, he's of the same being as humanity. And he brings those two together in his person. Uh, and the creation itself, for that matter. I mean, he's, he is the one through whom the, the word of creation is spoken. So it's like, wow, that's, that's amazing. Uh, homoousios is the old Greek word from the Nicene Creed. Homoousios, topatri, of the same being as the Father. And homoousios, Chalcedon comes along later and says, of the same being as he's fully God and fully human. He's the great mediator who represents God to us and us to God, makes the response that we, we, can, we can't make on our own. We can only trust Jesus. Lord, you do it. And so he's also the great reconciler, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And he's called us to be ministers of reconciliation. Let's just read that passage over in 2 Corinthians here. Everybody good? <sighs> trying, to, trying to breathe. <clears throat> Allergy thing. <laughs> Kim's always like, don't say everything. <laughs> Sorry. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one has died for all and therefore all died. So that's the union piece. That's what I've been trying to say in different ways. That we're, he's united himself to us so that what happens to him happens on our behalf. So, so he died and we died. He's raised, we're raised. He's ascended, we're ascended. Like, we don't think, we, we think real linear, linearly. We think very individualistically. We don't think so much in terms of communion and relationships that overlap, but that's the reality of God. I mean, that's who God is. It is very, big word, ontological core. He's persons in relationship. And so that's why when we feel the tuning fork ding, go off of this is how it should be because we're in right relationship with each other. It's because we're living in the image of the triune God of grace and the relational God of love. So we're convinced that one died and therefore all died. And he died that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view because this is what has happened in Christ. We regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. So Lord, you've done that and we put our faith in you. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ 
and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Receive the truth of it. Believe in it. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So you see that expressed again later, just a couple chapters later in 2 Corinthians 8. It's on the same page where I'm reading. Uh, chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. That's the incarnation. That's the, that's the great exchange. That's God giving what, him becoming what we are so that we could become what he is. That's the way Irenaeus and the early church would say it. He became what we are so that we could become what he is. Not God without distinction, but in his family, adopted without blending but remaining distinct creator and creature together uh, in family relationship of love as the father sent me wow now now starting to have a little more uh, meat on it right where we can understand as the father sent me out of the fullness of that love and communion in beautiful beautiful wholeness God's heart of love for us to Adam to Israel and to the human race marked by that assurance and peace and love and life as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. For us to do that, we've got, we've got to live in that relationship of love more. He wants us to live out of that relationship of love. It's not just a, our mission, and we're known for being an on-mission people, right? But it's, we're living, we want to live out of the life and love of God together in order to share with the world around us. That's what we want to do. In a broken and anxious world, we desperately need the peace and the life of God in our own broken and anxious souls in order to share that with others. And that's what God wants to do. It starts in the heart of God as the Father sent me and that shared life and communion. But we want the reality. Uh, we want to share out of the reality. So it's from God's heart, and for it to be reality, then it's got to be with God's people. Like, and this is a really, I think it's a, it's a subversive message in the West, just in, in Western thought. And it goes, it goes way back in there, different Western theologians, but goes all the way back to Greek, Greek philosophy, Aristotelian uh, logic that the individual is one being by himself. And that's where this relational theology, the relational revelation of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, it, it brings us into, wait a minute, we're always relational. We're created in relationship. God is, is, exists in relationship, and he wants us to live in relation. I'm not an isolated being by myself. Never have been, wasn't created that way, wasn't brought into the world that way. And so he wants us to be a, a people together with all of our distinctiveness and distinctions and backgrounds and ethnicities. He wants us to be that kind of people together. Uh, 
uh, and I think, think about this. When Jesus came into the world in the incarnation, he still chose community. Yeah, sovereign God in the flesh could have just done everything, but he chose community, chose disciples, chose to have some band of guys and gals he's walking around with and doing stuff and making things right. We are saved into community. <laughs> We're not saved into an isolated personal heaven thing we're saved into community and ultimately into his beautiful whatever it's going to look like new, new creation new, new heavens and new earth and so love is the way that people know the world around us if we're going to join into the mission as the father sent me I'm sending you then love is the way it's going to happen you're going to be known by my disciples by the way you love one another. And I, there's, I know people say, Jamie, you overemphasize love. And you talk about Jesus too much, maybe, and you're too happy. And I don't see it all. And I, guilty. And, and I'm in process, but I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep blowing the trumpet. I'm going to keep blowing the trumpet because it's, to me, it's just like out of the eternal heart of God is the revelation of the Son who reveals the Father, Son, and Spirit in a relationship of love. And uh, it's just beautiful. I was reading a Scazzaro book, Pete Scazzaro, this week, uh, uh, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, which I need more of. And yeah, four, five... And, uh, but he had one chapter, he said, make love the mark of maturity. And I just thought, man, that's, that's so good. Because there's, it's, it's in our culture, it's really easy to take something like, I'm more right than you are, and not mark it with love. And it's just, dong, dong. You know, it's just a big clanging symbol. If it doesn't have the mark of love on it. You know, and I mean, and we've talked about this before. You can use the one-off gift of martyrdom. You only get to use that one one time. But if you don't have love, it's for nothing. It's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13. I don't hear that point made a lot during weddings when that passage is often quoted. Use it wisely. But use it with love, Right? So, uh, you know, the early church, one of the things we know about the early church is that, that not just in the New Testament, but even in recorded history, they, it, the church was marked by love. They loved one another. They served one another. See how they love each other. They share communally and share their gener with generosity. Tertullian in the second century said, we share everything except our wives. You know, and they were just marked by, I mean, even the pagans who were trying to speak against them said they share more than our guys share and people are turned toward them because of their, the way they live. So it's not just ideology and, you know, getting somebody to figure it out just right. If we will live the way God's called us to live, we will be a witness to the world because of our love, because of our generosity, because of our sharing, because of our communion together. And this you know, I, I've said it before, but one of the greatest single churches that I know about since the early church, Jerusalem, Antioch, is, it was in Hernhut, in Moravia, the Moravians. And they had, a, they had a period of time where they just, they literally changed the world. But one of their things was, come and see 
and then go. That was their thing. Come and see, and then go, because they wanted to live their lives in a reality in such a way that what they were doing could then be reproduced. And I, man, if we could do that, here's a quote from Count Ludwig von Zinzendorf, who led that group. He said, we must establish the principle that the happy, fruitful, and almost irresistible calling of many thousands of souls supposes a little flock in the house. Think about it. Just cleaving to the Savior with body and soul in such a manner that we may, as it were, point to such a people with the finger when we are inviting others. And that is the advantage, an advantage, a blessing, a preaching of the gospel to purpose. If we can say, come, all things are ready. I can show you persons who are already there, but do come and see. That is simply the thing called preaching the gospel. Now, I know there's more to the gospel than, than just a people that are living for Jesus, but that is an important part of how we preach the gospel. We've got to have the reality here before we say, like we're going to be saying in a couple of weeks, go to the nations. We can't send people somewhere else to do something we're unwilling to do here, right? We want to live this out here in our own lives. And I don't mean just some of us. I mean all of us. Like God's got something for you together with the people of God that you'll never experience without the people of God. It's just, that's the way it works. So then the last thing there. So from God's heart, with God's people, and into the world. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. So through this, this incredible overflowing love to reconcile, redeem, to make things right through the people of God and into the world, I'm sending you. Receive the Holy Spirit. And that's what the triune God does. Overflowing love in community to bear witness, to proclaim Jesus Christ is the light of the world in the midst of darkness. And there's no other way to get the light. He is the light that shines in the midst of our darkness. And even though the darkness doesn't always respond, we still are going to stand and proclaim it, not just out there to them and the bad people that don't have it together, but to our own souls, to our own lives right here. Anybody need this? It just Jesus, you are the light of the world. And then out of that reality, we can say, Jesus, you are the light of the world. You're the hope of the world. You're the truth of the gospel. You are the in proclaiming the gospel of forgiveness and of peace, the gospel of the kingdom, and the gospel of healing, the gospel of hope, the gospel of Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way to know God but through him. Amen. He is the great I am for all of the I am nots of my soul and of yours. Yeah. When I, when I say I'm not, and I, I, I mean, I, 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 all I have to do is go back about a day or two to think about the way I've thought about I am nots in my own soul. Not everything I should be or on and on but Jesus is there and he's meeting me in that hard place and he's meeting you. It's not just, it's, it's all of us. Into that dark place, he's bringing hope and it's not just for here in Fort Worth, it's from here to the neighborhoods of Fort Worth and to the nations of the world. That's where that good news is going. <clears throat> and it starts in our places of influence. Wherever we've got influence, that's where 
God wants us flowing and moving and sharing. Sometimes it's like, hey, have you heard the gospel, the good news? Let me tell you about Jesus. And sometimes it's showing what that looks like. It's standing for righteousness and mercy, or it's helping to make things right in the world. I, I've shared this before about Kim, and I just, you know, it helps me to hear. Like, hearing and helping people hear is actually a thing that really helps to make things right. It's like our medical community that's here in the room. We've got lots of different people that are helping people be healed. And I, I feel that way about the, just some of these different stories that I, I hear from her. And, you know, and this would be a genre of story that I'm, I'm going to say. So just in general, I hear this kind of thing. And it's like, I can, I can hear better right now, but it feels like I'm, I'm shouting. And then, then she would say something like, well, yeah, but that's what, that's what that hearing aid is going to help you do, help you monitor. You have been shouting. You've been talking too loud. You know, and that's what, that's in our, that's a, a disability, you know, when you can't hear fully or completely. But then as I was processing that this week with Kim, it's like learning to listen and learning to hear in a fresh way also helps me realize I'm talking too loud or too much and how that hurts my relationships. I'm just, I was spiritualizing it, but I mean, it's true, right? Because you're, yeah, I am talking too loud. Or I'm talking too much. Or I'm not listening and it exposes my, I am not valued. I am not heard. I am not seen. I've got to be aggressive with you in order to get you to hear me. You know, and then it's like the gospel then, Jesus comes into our lives and meets us in the place of those I am nots. Um, you know, I, I realized too, I didn't tell you I was going to just, uh, <clears throat> I can only do that with my daughter. I won't do any other personal stories on anybody without talking to you. <laughs> but um, I realized too, I, just thinking about what she does in teaching high school students and getting to talk openly about Jesus, where she's at, but they, they need Jesus. And there's so much of her job that is just listening to them and being an ear for the pain of being a teenager or living in this world in this time or the brokenness or broken families or all the different stuff that's there and then speaking hope and life and Jesus into the midst of that. Amen. You know, and... Guys, we could go on around the room and may your, may your vocation, whatever spheres of influence God's given you, may there be a way of expressing the reign of God in your personal life, expressing the reign of God, the kingdom, his love, God's love, and the way you treat people and, and relate to people. May that kingdom come and expand and grow. It's God's vision. Like we could go on and on, but there's, there's so much more. It's like that niggle seeing that that tree in heaven and trying to paint it and just it's frustrating to us sometimes because we can't express more I'm trying to express a leaf or two you know and and I wish I could express more I'm seeing something so beautiful it's it's gripped me and I want us to see it but God wants to see it us to see it so much more he really does and so part of that our response is the the jar you know just Lord and it's not just a one-time thing or a January thing. It may take you all year to, to rearrange a life that hasn't been 
going in the right direction, right? But we just, Lord, by grace, we're going to keep emptying this out. We're going to keep talking about what's most important in our personal lives, in our life together, in the church, in our vocations, in our rest and health. You know, we can't, you know, we need to, just all the things that go along with that. I'm not going to preach that, but what needs to go and what needs to grow in my life? I know personally, I've been hitting this hard this morning, but I think it's just such an important part of the gospel that Jesus came into our darkness, to, into, into the fallen mind of Adam, in our brokenness and in our pain and the, the, the hard stuff that we paint onto the face of God. He comes in there so that we'll know that when we're in that lowest place of the lowest place, he's there with you. He understands. He, he's able to sympathize with us. And he understands and yet didn't sin. Took on Adam's flesh, but didn't sin. And was able to hold on to the love of God and never let go. And that, I just, that is... It's, I think it's hard for us to believe sometimes. And here's the funny thing. Yeah, I think this is, I don't know if it's funny, but here's a crazy thing, is that I can still get shocked when I see that Jesus thinks about stuff differently than I do. You know, like I thought I had that down. And actually what he's calling me to is a lifetime of repentance to the way he thinks about everything. So, Lord, help me. And I just, I, I realized in that moment that I was believing some lies and some different things. And I just went around and I was literally around my house just breaking off some lies that I'd been believing. I want to agree with you, Jesus, in this area, in this area, in this area. I want to believe the way you believe. Uh, that makes sense? Uh, always realigning. Always... Uh, they used to say in the Reformation, reformed and reforming. Like always, we're always in the process of making things right and getting time to fix my eyes on Jesus and give him my attention is gonna be a key part of getting his heart and learning to see the way he sees and see my life the way he sees it and see what needs to change in my thinking, in my soul, in my emotions. Uh, so, and he's, he's into that. So that's personally. That's on the personal level. But then together is a, another one where we catch a vision for figuring out the rhythms. If we're emptying the jar, we've got to figure out what are the rhythms of community in my life. If I can't see fully without brothers and sisters in my life, in, in my life how am I going to, you know, I have to prioritize that. And it's not just, and I said this last week, but we've got to get out of the going to church mindset and get into the we are the church mindset. It's only as we cross that, that boundary that we're going to you know, realize, man, I need, I need to be here. Like I need to prioritize being here face to face. I can't, no matter how good that is, I'm looking to the, the camera right now, and, but when we sing, I love, I love, I love your presence, and I hear, all y'all's voices singing that, it's just different than it is watching it on the screen. It's, we were made to be together. And so prioritizing that, figuring it out, and just continuing to figure it out, it's, it's been going on for a long time, right? Uh, 
yeah, given time to be shaped by the reality of the church so that it's not just for me, but so that it's real here and so that it's real as we're sharing it with the nations, with the city. And then, of course, just what's that look like in my sphere? Um, uh, I've said this, I'm land this plane. Our city needs us. Our city needs Antioch. Our city needs Paradox and South Hills Baptist and Hewlin Street. And our city needs Pleasant Mount Gilead Missionary Baptist. And our city, our city needs the different expressions of the church, but they need us, they may not know it, to bear witness to Jesus Christ, the church that is the church in the city together. And we must ground the reality of our doing in the being of who we are. And so stand up. And I want us to ask this question as the team's coming. Lord, would you show us where we're at just in this process? Lord, show us where we, where you're with us in the pain. Show us where you're with us in the, the change that needs to happen. Ministry team's coming up. Show us where we're at. But Lord, also show me where I'm at. Just show me in my life where I'm at. And that is such a, like, it's a, it's a, scary prayer a little bit sometimes but it's also what we ultimately want your best is the best that God's called us to live in with Jesus so on this message today wherever there's a yes come and get prayer if there's a yes in your heart about something that the Lord's calling you to as the Father sent me I'm sending you uh, then, then let's get prayer into that maybe there's a yes about forgiveness or withholding forgiveness just we want to be people it's flowing forgiveness is flowing through us because it's been given to us so lord do that and maybe it's about uh there might be something about believing a lie and i'm not even suggesting that you get all the way through that this morning that's a journey but man if i'm if i know i'm believing a lie i want to believe the truth as it is in jesus so lord come and meet us today in this time of ministry, in the name of Jesus. And of course, as always, if you're coming to Jesus, man, pray with somebody. Just, we're, we're turning our lives over to Jesus. Or if you need healing, any kind of prayer, hard thing you're going through, let's minister to one another here this morning. In the name of Jesus.